So now that I had another tattoo shop, all the supplies I needed coming to me, <clears throat> I said to Tommy Knapp, Hey, Tom, want to help me? We'll draw up some of this new flash from the designs I bought back from Long Beach, and we'll go, and we'll open a place in L.A., right downtown L.A. There's only one shop there, and we'll probably do pretty good there. Would you be interested in going partners and going out there with me from this winter? I also still have this shop over in Camden, New Jersey. That's fairly new. It ain't doing very much either. <clears throat> this Ralph was a biker, and a whole bunch of bikers hanging around in the shop. Camden was pretty flat by this time. They weren't getting tattooed. And, and it seemed like there was a, a name-calling thing between the bikers and the blacks one night. And I'm over there visiting, and I go outside to try and defuse the situation. And I get into a fight, and I get my nose broke for the third time now. I didn't mention the second time that was out in California, when I was in Long Beach with Bob Shaw. Many stories I didn't say about Long Beach. I'll come back to them in my writing a little later. So anyway, I get my nose broke. I call Tommy Knapp to come and get me. Him and Jojo come and get me, take me to the hospital. They packed cotton in my nose as they had done previously and told me, you better not get your nose broke anymore. Otherwise, the cartilage won't be able to be repaired and you'll have a flat nose, like prizefighters have. So guard your nose from now on. Okay, I say. At the same time, around this time, Spider gets into a big fight up in a bar in the Northeast somewhere. <clears throat> this must have been a hell of a fight. Some guy got stabbed to death in the bar that night. And the cops came to Spider and said, we know you were in there. We know you didn't do it, but we know you know who did do it. And if you don't tell us, we're going to frame you. And Spider, being the stand-up guy that he is, wouldn't say nothing. Spider just shrugged his shoulders and says, I don't know nothing. And he got, he was going to get time for this. I'm going to say it's the winter of 72 setting in here. Me and Tommy Knapp are planning to go out to L.A. and open a store and see how we do there. <laughs> we told Spider, why don't you come with us? We'll hide you out there. Spider says, nah, he's got a good lawyer. He's going to ride it out and see what happens. So me and Tommy are off to L.A. and many, many stories. I spend the next couple of years out there. Many, many exciting stories. So here we go. But before we go, I want to mention here, Coney Island Freddy comes down from New York, comes to see me. He says the New York Health Department is appealing the decision, and they want to overturn the decision and make tattooing illegal again. And our lawyer says, we can fight this and beat it, 
but it's going to take a lot of money again. Would I be interested? I told Freddie, no, I ain't interested. Are you? He said, no, not really. He said, the guys that are open now, they should chip in and fight it. But now we ain't got nothing to do with it anymore. And so I just wanted to put that in before I forgot. And now off to L.A. So me and Tommy arrive in L.A. We rent a car and we head for Hollywood. We stayed in a Holiday Inn on the hill right below that famous sign that says Hollywood that you see on television all the time. Big wooden sign. And we scout out Hollywood looking for places to rent and seeing how things would be in Hollywood. We also take a ride down to Long Beach to visit my friend Bob Shaw, introduce Tommy to the guides down there, and we spent a couple of days down there. Rio de Janeiro was working in Bob Shaw's shop. Nice young man. I had worked with him previously. Tommy, Tommy was admiring what nice work they do out there, and Rio was putting on a peacock girl. It was a girl, half peacock, half girl. She was holding a bunch of grapes. It was a beautiful design. But Tommy noticed how it took Rio all goddamn day to do this design. And Tommy says, Jesus, I could do that design in an hour. But Rio was on it, outlining it. Me and Tommy went to lunch, walked around the pike. I introduced him to the people I knew on the bike. And we come back, and we all still, he ain't done the outline yet. He said, Jesus Christ. He said, that's some hard design. Tommy noticed the designs were much harder there. I said, yes. Yes, I noticed that as soon as I got here. A lot of it was Don Nolan and Tommy Yeoman stuff. Extremely hard. Now we go to Holland, to L.A., downtown L.A., where Captain Jim, the only tattoo shop in downtown L.A., and, and we scout out that area. There was a very cheap hotel there on that street called the Cecil Hotel. So we checked in there for a week, and we started scouting out. L.A. <clears throat> Down the end of L.A., on Main Street, we find a store for rent. <laughs> I don't remember what the rent was. I'm going to say 500 a month, which wasn't bad. This was Main Street, downtown L.A., the busiest street there was. So... We, we get the store, we rent it, and we go in to sort of fix it up. We make a list of everything we need and, and lumber and stuff. And, and when we're in there, we find out that this really wasn't a building at all. It was an alleyway in between two buildings that they put a roof on and made it a store. There was no running water in the place. And we was in deep shit. 
So now me and Tommy start fixing up the place. The first thing we do is build a petition. It was a large place. We built a petition about three quarters of the way back to make a back room. And we go and buy a couple of beds so we have a place to sleep rather than this cheap hotel down the street, which was kind of scurvy. And our money was getting funny anyway. It, it costs a little bit to, to buy all the lumber and the countertops and the sinks and everything we needed. And now we had to get a plumber, not only to run water to the building, but drain and pipes draining out, which was a big job. The street out in the front of the store had to be tore up. That's a city project. And, and the sewer lines connected. Holy Jesus. I don't remember what the plumber cost, but 3500 would probably be cheap. Anyway, Tommy runs out of money. He was only a young fellow at the time. I don't think he was 25 years old. His first trip away from from Philadelphia, really. And his money was running out. I said, don't worry, Tom. I'll foot the bill. I'll just keep score here, and you'll owe me. And when we start making money, we'll get even. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll be all right. But anyway, we, we was building and swarming and building counters, and, and customers started to come in. We hung our flash up. I said, Tommy, look, we'll set up a little temporary station right here. You, you just start tattooing and get some money, and I'll keep hammering and swallowing, and we'll get this place going. Out in the back of this place was a public toilet that you had to put a quarter in to get into. <clears throat> but that's where we went in the morning. We washed up in the sink, you know, and we lived in the back of the tattoo shop. But we couldn't wait for the plumber. It, was, it took him a big job <clears throat> to get everything connected. We had a shower put in finally. Oh, you don't know how you mix water until you ain't got it. Now, the array of characters that I'm going to meet in this strip is endless. But the first guy we meet is a Mexican-American man named Al. Al was like a handyman in the neighborhood. And he come in and asked if we needed a hand building stuff, and we said, yeah, sure. Roll up your sleeves, jump in here. Every morning, Al would come by and tap on the store window with his ring and wake us up in the back room. We would get angry. We'd say, what's that fuck this guy? He's always here early in the morning, four or five in the morning. But Al wanted to. He was a hustler. He wanted to build and he wanted to make a few bucks. Anyway, Al helped us build the place, and eventually we had the place all set up with three workstations in the front, one in the rear for five of tattooing. The sinks and the water were all hooked up, and we were doing pretty good. But you could tell poor Tommy, he wasn't very happy in L.A. The food was different. A lot of Mexican joints, and 
Thanksgiving was approaching, and he's thinking of turkey, and they're advertising, you know, spare ribs, rice and beans. You could tell Tommy was just very unhappy. But then one day, down the street near the Cecil Hotel, Tommy meets a little girl, and, and he brings her back to the shop. And he was all excited. He had a little girlfriend. And Tommy felt a little better about us being there in L.A. The thing that got us both down was the customers, a lot of Mexican customers. And they seemed very cheap. They didn't want to spend any money. They wanted certain designs. They wanted you to draw everything for them. I said, you know what we need, Tom? We need a couple of tattooers here from the area that can talk to these people and, and get them in the chair and, and get some money out of them. Down the street, Captain Jim's shop. Now, Captain Jim was an enemy of Bob Shaw's. I never asked Bob Shaw why, but an enemy of Bob Shaw's was an enemy of mine. A friend of Bob Shaw's was a friend of mine. Some great warrior once said, if you ain't with me, you're against me. I don't remember who said that, but I agree with that. I won't say Stanley Moskowitz from the Bowery who said that. Stanley laughed and said, my brother Walter said that. <laughs> anyway, working down in Captain Jim's shop was a younger fella named Tennessee Dave. Now, me and Tommy were trying to get $5 for a name, like we were getting back in Philly. And Captain Jim down there, they were only getting $2 for a name. <coughs> I said, Jesus Christ, I'm going down and have a talk with this Tennessee Dave. So, one night, after drinking a little, I put my blackjack in my pocket, and I headed down to see Tennessee Dave. Well, Tennessee Dave saw me coming through the window. He got up and locked the door and went into the back room. I come up to the door and start pounding on the door and hollering, open the fucking door, you motherfucker. Anyway, Dave calls the police. The police come, and they're going to take me in and arrest me. Meanwhile, with all the commotion and the sirens and everything, Tommy Nappy is that, and he comes walking down the street. And he comes up to me, and I said, get out of here, Tom. They're going to arrest me. You're around here. They're going to take you, too. Get out of here. So we have one of us out to get barely the other one out. Just take a walk. So the police take me in. They arrest me for disturbing the peace. Nothing. They put me in a big holding cell. There's a telephone, a payphone on the wall. And I asked one of the guards, I said, can you get me some change, some, some of these bills, so I can make a phone call? And the guard smiles and says, you want to get out of here? I said, yeah. He says, well, if you give me some of that money you're counting there, I can open the door let you go. I said, well, here, there's a hundred bucks, let me the fuck out of here. 
and he comes. I said, this is the easiest jailbreak I ever made. In the next few days, a fella comes in and says he's a tattoo artist from the area. His name is Larry Schultz. He says he's looking for a job. And me and Tommy say, great, we're looking for somebody to work here. So we get Larry Schultz situated. Now, now Tommy had a sink, I had a sink. And Larry Schultz had the third one. And that's good. He could talk to these people. He understood them a little better. He was from the L.A. area. And he was getting customers into the chair. And we said, this is good. So me and Tommy said, we're going to take a ride. We took the Al. Al, the Mexican-American who helped us build the joint. He was still hanging around. Nice guy. And he said he would be our interpreter if we ever wanted to go down to Tijuana or something. We said, yeah, that's a great idea. So with Larry there, me and Tommy decided we're going to take a few days, go down, have some fun in Tijuana, and maybe stop and scout out San Diego, see if there was anybody around that wanted a job, and, and we would hire somebody else. So that's what we did. We took a little ride. We went to Tijuana. <clears throat> this was a great trip. We went, went across the border to Tijuana. You had to leave your car on this side of the border. So we rented a cab, and we're driving around. We tell the cab driver, we want some girls. So the cab driver's taking us down this dirt street in the middle of nowhere where the potholes were deeper than the car and the wheels were going in these potholes and up and Jesus Christ, the car was rocking and little kids were throwing rocks at the ambulance going by and ambulance went by and the kids were throwing rocks at the ambulance. Tommy said, where the fuck are we? So the guy pulls up to a little cafe no door, just a curtain for the, for the front door. He said, nice girls in there, you go in there. So we pay the cab driver, we go in. Al says, let me do all the talking. <clears throat> soon as we went in, the girls come running over to us. Tommy says, Jesus Christ, hold your wallet there. This, this is dangerous here. And the girls were patting us down. We were buying drinks. We were having a good time. But Tommy was scared, said, let's get the fuck out of here. So we get out, we get finally get another cab. We go back to the, to the main drag in Tijuana, which is also a scary place, especially for a young guy like Tommy. But we had a good time, and we go across the border back into to, uh, San Diego, and we get a room for the night. And we're going to scout out San Diego in the morning. So in the morning, we go visiting the tattoo shops in San Diego. There was quite a few of them, I'd say half a dozen. We always heard there was a lot of tattoo shops in San Diego. While in L.A., we started to see some very nice work by a couple of young fellas down in San Diego. were named Zeke Owens 
the other one, Ed Hardy. So we wanted to meet these guys. And of course we wanted to meet the famous Doc Webb. And we did. We met Doc Webb. He had a strange tattoo shop. He had a, a netting over the ceiling, hanging from the ceiling, which starfish and clamshells and stuff in it. It was quite an interesting tattoo shop. Old designs. Nice old guy, Doc Webb, had many stories to tell us. And we went to meet Ed Hardy. He wasn't around, he was away on vacation or something. And we go into Painless Nell's shop. He was no longer around, I guess he had died. But anyway, Zeke Owens was working in there, but he wasn't there. A young fellow working the arcade said he went to lunch. I asked him, where does Zeke drink lunch? I heard Zeke was a drinker. So he took us outside, pointed down a block or so, and said, you see that sign there, blinking bar? I said, yeah. He says, that's where he usually has lunch. We thanked him, and off we went to, down to the bar to have some lunch ourselves. Now it's me and Tommy and our interpreter, Al, go into the bar. It's quite a large bar. It's kind of dark in there. And along the side, up maybe half a dozen steps, there's like a balcony with tables and chairs where you can sit and watch the people. There's a dance floor and so on. So we go up the steps and sit down. Waitress comes over and brings us drinks. While we're sitting there talking, looking around, a fight breaks out down on the barroom floor, and in this cloud of people fighting, I keep seeing an arm coming up in the air, all tattooed, in this fight. And I say, that must be Zeke Owens. I'm going to investigate. You guys wait here. So I go down and push my way through this cloud of fighting people, and I bump up against this guy with all tattoos. And I said, Zeke Owens? He says, yeah, who are you? I said, Crazy Eddie. And I jumped right into the fight. And we're having a fight. At the end of the fight, we're picking guys up off the floor, buying them drinks. And me and Zeke Owens go over to the table with Tommy and Al and continue drinking for a little bit. That was my first meeting with Zeke Owens. Almost forgot. On the ride down from L.A. to San Diego, we took the Pacific Coast Highway. That's a beautiful little ride with lots of scenery. Very nice. However, it was foggy and getting dark. And Jesus, we almost drove off the cliff a couple of times. We ended up, we were hanging outside the car. Couldn't see the road in front of you so much fog. But we made it. And on the way down to, to Tijuana, there's a little town between San Diego and Tijuana, and we stopped off to have a drink in, and there was a tattoo shop in there. We went in and met that guy, and <laughs> his name was Iwo Jima Eddie. Said he used to work with Doc Webb, but he got tired of the rat race. So many tattooers up there in San Diego, fighting over prices and customers. He came down to this little town, 
He says, that's a back, back exit here for, for the Navy Yard. He says, I get my share of sailors. He says, and I'm the only guy in town. They don't fight and holler about prices. They sit down and get them. And I'm completely happy here. Now we'll go back to L.A. and continue my story from there. Tommy Yeomans, my old friend, the tattoo guy, comes walking into the L.A. shop. Says, how you doing? Good to see me. He's looking for a spot to sit down and work for a while. I said, sure. Glad to have you. So that made us happy. Now we had Larry Schultz and Tommy Yeomans. They both were familiar with the type clientele we had and could talk to them better than we could. So this was good. Tommy was still seeing his little girlfriend down there. Everything was going pretty good. One day, Huck Sporbing came in. He was battling his tattoo machines again. And he was out in California. So Spaulding was there for a visit. And the night before, there was a pawn shop next door to us. Somebody broke in. They cut a hole through the roof and climbed down into the pawn shop and robbed the pawn shop. And the police come in. And they were questioning and asking if we seen or heard anything. And Spaulding was there. They wanted to search his little, he had a whole bunch of little suitcases with him with his tattoo gear that he was battling. They, they were questioning Spaulding, and Spaulding was a big, big baby type asshole. They kept crying, you know, hey, I'm just here for a visit. Eddie Tellerman, Jesus Christ, what a fucking shithead he was. While up on the roof with the police, checking out the robbery in the hole they cut in the roof. I see we have all kinds of hookups or electric up there and some places for signs. So I call a sign company and a guy comes down and measures. He's going to put a great big sign up on the roof that lights up saying tattoo. And Jesus, you could see it a block in any direction. I said, this will be great. So we ordered a sign. Now it's a nice new sign. Business ain't too bad. It's not great, but it's not too bad. We got the two guys working there now. And, and Tommy's still feeling kind of sad and homesick. Then one day his girl comes in and says, she's pregnant. And the Tommy is the father. Tommy keeps saying, why do I got to be the father? So he takes her to the doctor to get her checked out and make sure she's pregnant. She's going to get a, a test, see if she's really pregnant. And it turns out her stomach was swelling because she had some kind of an infection. She had two, three, four months tampexes in her, she didn't know she's supposed to take them out after, after a while. And she left them in there for several months. And that's why her stomach was swelling. She was just a young girl. She didn't know any better. 
Now, one day, my lawyer from Philly calls. <laughs> Seems Sharon is ready. She wants a divorce now. She's going with probably the third cop from the Willingboro Police Department. This time she's in love. It's a black man, and she wants a divorce. She wants to get married. I say to Tommy, I'm probably going to have to go home. You'll have to stay here and hold down the fort. And Tommy was very depressed. Thanksgiving's almost here. We go down the street to the Mexican joint, and we look at the menu for Thanksgiving. It's beef stew, rice and beans, nothing to do with turkey and cranberries. Tommy says, Eddie, I can't stay here if you go home. He says, I can't stay here alone. He says, you got to get me out of here. I got to go home. So we're checking with my lawyer back in Philly. He says, I don't have to be there for the divorce. He can handle it himself down there. And he just sent me some papers for me to sign. He says, and everything will be fine. You don't have to come back. So I make arrangements with Tommy to get him home. He wants to be home for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the holidays. So I tell Tommy, go back and go to work in the new shop. Tell Fat Billy and Waller and Jojo to move over, make room for you. And I'll keep in touch, keep you posted on what's going on here. And Tommy's off. We say goodbye. Now, meantime, I found a new place to have lunch. Down the street around the corner, there was a basement bar and delicatessen like. Two pretty girls worked in there, and I was going in there for lunch in the afternoon for a drink and flirting with the two girls. And that doing a little in the shop in L.A. And one day, another tattooer comes in. He says, oh, he says, my name is Mark Reynolds. He says, I tattoo out in the valley. He says, in Van Ives. He said, and my boss is looking to sell the shop. And, and I'm looking for another place to work. I says, well, you found it. You can work here. I said, what's your boss want to sell it for? He says, well, he wants to go to Las Vegas and open up the first tattoo shop in Las Vegas. And he needs some money. And it's a pretty busy shop out there in Van Knives. Maybe you want to go out and take a look at it. I said, yeah, I do. So I, I set him up. I said, you can work right here. I said, and Tomorrow we'll take a ride and we'll go out and we'll visit with this guy that you work for. So the next day, we take a ride to the, to the valley, to Van Ives, and I meet the guy that owns the tattoo shop. His name was Tony Baker, but he called himself Doc Dog. Nice guy, young man. 
So I say, I hear you want to sell this place. So he shows me around. He says, yeah. He says, I want to go to Vegas and open a tattoo shop. I, he says, I'm married. And I got two, two young brother-in-laws. They're twins. They work here with me. And their names are James E. and Joey. I says, boy, that's a coincidence. I knew two twins at Coney Island. They were named James E. and Joey as well. He says, well, they're a little crazy, these kids. But they're nice kids. He says, I also have another guy working here with me. Big, heavy set guy. He's a biker. He calls himself Shanghai Charlie. So he introduces me to Charlie. And Charlie explains to me, it's a much better neighborhood out here in the valley. He says, it's a little higher class clientele. And we get more money out here. He says, it's a middle class white, white neighborhood. He said, the Mexicans that live here are working Mexicans, not the poor farmers and, and the people that don't have so much money like down in L.A. And you get a better price out here. He says, the shop is busy. He says, I would buy it myself. He says, but I don't have any money. So I asked Doc Dog, what do you want for this place? He says he wants 5000 and that was something nobody ever did before, buy a tattoo shop, especially for that much money. Usually they would just open the across the street. And so I said, well, let me think about it. I'll let you know tomorrow. And Dr. Dog immediately let me know. He is nobody to fuck with. He said, you know, you fuck with me. He says, I bury you out here in the desert. That's what we do around here. So I come right back with, well, where I'm from, we take your fishing and throw you to the sharks. I said I'll be back tomorrow. So now Doc Dog says, come on, I want to buy you a drink. And he takes me around the corner from the shop to the Oasis Bar. Now, this was some bar. I end up spending a lot of time in this bar. A lot of things happened in this bar. I could probably write a book just about this bar. But it's coming. So we go have a drink. And Charlie says he would stay on if I bought the shop and he would work with me. And, and Dog says he would take his two younger brother-in-laws with him to Las Vegas. And he was looking to open the first tattoo shop in Las Vegas. I thought, this guy's crazy. You can't make any money in Las Vegas tattooing. People are there to gamble and have fun. They ain't going to be looking at tattoos. Boy, was I wrong. Now, Mark Reynolds says they would work downtown L.A. if I wanted them to. But if I bought that shop out in the valley... He would rather work there. He says he could make more money there. So I had a lot of options to think about that night. And I, I decided, I'll need help if I buy that shop. I'm going to score Muggsy back in Philly and see if he'd want to come out here and hang with me and, and run one of the shops for me. So I give Muggsy a call. 
And I tell him, if he wants to come out here, I'll set him up. He should go in the back of the, of the shop. I had some old flash back there and some old stencils that I would need for this Van Eyes job to get that all together and stand by. I'd probably be sending for him very shortly. So I make the deal with Dr. Org. We go to a lawyer. I had the lawyer draw up a contract that I would buy the shop for $5,000. And Dr. Org couldn't open within a five-mile radius of that shop, ever. Back in L.A., flirting with them two girls in the deli bar. One girl lived in Hollywood. Her name was Sandy. I ended up falling in love with Sandy. And she lived in Hollywood, and she asked me to move in with her. So that was nice. I moved in with her. Now I sent for Muggsy to come on out. And he could sleep in the back of the downtown L.A. shop. Sandy's girlfriend, she lived out in the San Fernando Valley, right near the shop I just bought from Doc Dog. So she was happy that we could see each other. Everything was going well in my life. Now, one day in the L.A. shop, Tommy Yeoman is tattooing a customer. I'm standing by the railing, with my back to the railing, looking out the window. And then I hear the customer saying, Mr., Mr., hey, Mr. When I turn around, there's Tommy Yeoman nodding, nodding, almost falling out of the chair. So I go back there and I grab him. I said, what's the matter? And he said, oh, he says, I'm all fucked up on heroin, he says. He says, can you finish this tattoo? I said, yeah, I finished the tattoo. Go sit in the back and wait for me. So I finished the tattoo, and I go in the back, and I say, Tommy, what the fuck's the matter? He's all strung out on heroin. He says, please help me. I'm trying to get off it. He said, do me a favor. Let me sleep here. He said, tie me down in the bed. Don't let me out, no matter what I say or do. I said, well, I'll try, Tommy, but I can't put up with this shit. Now Muggsy arrived. I said, good. Maybe he can help me with this Tommy Yeomans or something. So Muggsy, I was glad to see him. And Big Wall called and said, he's got a special deal for a Vegas trip. He's going out to Vegas in a couple of weeks. He's going to be staying at the Flamingo Hotel. Maybe me and Muggsy could meet him there and we could have a few days drinking and laughing. I said, that's great, Walter. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Now one day the health man comes in downtown L.A. And he he's, wants me to change everything around. He said the ceiling that I had, I had put a, a drop ceiling in the place. He says, that's no good. He wants a washable ceiling. I have to take down the ceiling and put up this make-believe for Micah. And I said, Jesus, another big job, another expense. It turns out this elf man used to drink and eat lunch around the corner in the deli bar where my girl Sandy worked, and she knew him pretty good. He used to be flirting with her. 
And so she said to him that I was a good friend of us. And finally he backed up, left me alone. Turned out everything was fine. I didn't have to go through a big expense and remodel his shop because it wasn't doing all that well in the first place. Now one day Larry Schultz, he goes takes a day off and he goes down to the naked beach. And he comes back that night with, with another tattoo artist, a guy called Asa Lee Crow. This guy was a character. He had long white hair and a mustache and a beard. He could have been a poster boy for Colonel Sanders' chicken. Boy, he looked just like Colonel Sanders. Anyway, Larry Schultz says, I found this guy walking along the naked beach, all tattooed up, and we started talking. And it turns out he's a tattooer. He used to work for Tunnel up in Frisco, and he was looking for a job down here. I said, great. So I get Asa Lee settled in to go to work. Now it seemed like everybody wanted to work the Van Nuys shop. So I worked out a schedule where everybody could work a little bit in the L.A. shop and a little bit in the Van Nuys shop. 